So I'm really excited, Luke, that you're back on History and Games because I'm excited to be back. Uh, last time we talked about all the awesome video games uh, that feature ancient Greek names. There are quite a few games like Hades and Immortals and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. But now, mm. now we're into your forte, which happens to be <laughs> ancient Latin in all its different forms. And I picked two games to choose Latin names from because one has to do with actual historical people. So that's mm -hmm. Assassin's Creed origins, although I have to say that the Latin in that is apparently a hot mess. We'll talk about that because you did a hilarious video <laughs> on that game and the, how the Latin just descends into utter chaos and becomes a total world, word salad. And then I wanted to go over Final Fantasy because I have a lot of people who watch this channel and they all love Final Fantasy like I do. And I feel like those names are more like church Latin. So we can sort of cover both. And I think it's a good opportunity for you to talk about the difference between, say, church Latin and earlier forms of Latin, because they're not necessarily the same thing. Okay, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Take so it away. All right. So before we dive into some of the gobbledygook Latin in Assassin's Creed, can you briefly explain to the audience the difference between, say, the Latin Julius Caesar would have used and then church Latin centuries later? Well, we actually own fundamentally nothing. Uh, in, there are uh, some subtle things, uh, but very, very little. And that's because Latin has been uh, deliberately made to be conservative in a way that's um, especially unique, even with compared, even compared with Greek uh, and ancient Greek, which uh, was highly conservative. And it's still with, uh, you know, we have the various stages of Greek from the Homeric poetical stuff. You have the classical attic, you have the um, 800 years of Koine, Kini uh, for our modern Greek people. Um, that um, is this, uh, you know, it's highly conservative, but it does show some not insignificant changes uh, developmentally. Whereas Latin does have a few changes that occur, but mostly those are undone uh, as time goes on. That is, it goes um, more and more back, even in any time when we think of Latin as being some used a lot by the church, for example, which makes sense. Educated people, especially in the, the dark ages or the middle ages, we think of um, the educated people being uh, clergy in particular, as well as, you know, a few other um, uh, elite people who would know Latin really well. And in that period, we see already um, a significant amount of um, conservation and uh, return to classical Latin norms. And Julius Caesar and uh, Marcus Tullius Cicero represent the gold standard of what Latin is as we think of it. That is that everything they wrote is like the ideal Latin because everybody's imitated them essentially. Um, the late Latin literature period goes from the third century to the say the ninth century. Um, and uh, that basically until we get to the, the medieval uh, period after Charlemagne. And that's where we see in the fourth, fifth century Jerome's uh, Vulgate Bible in particular, that's probably what some people might think of is where there's some more significant grammatical changes. For example, and I think I had a, in one of my videos where it talked about how uh, in standard Latin, we say, I think it to be true. We cannot say in standard Latin, I think that it is true, which that's construction is impossible. But then by the late Latin period, that former construction, I think it to be true, that becomes impossible. So in the Bible, uh, in the Latin Vulgate Bible is translated by Jerome, 
I think that it is true is the only way to express that idea. Um, and then later by the, uh, by the, the first Latin Renaissance period, which was under Charlemagne, ninth century, and then later in the, uh, what we think of as the, the normal Western European Renaissance, uh, 14th, 15th century, we get constantly this reclassification of, uh, of the language back to Caesar. The biggest difference between uh, something more recent Latin-wise and something of, of uh, the Roman late Roman Republic is just new vocabulary, really, um, not anything grammatically. Uh, so anybody who uses Latin, who learns Latin, who speaks Latin today is aiming to express him or herself fundamentally in the same manner as Caesar. Okay, that's a great explanation. That sort of took us through the different centuries and how it's it's not wildly different and it sort of came full circle through time. So that's actually yeah. really interesting. And I wish they had consulted you uh, for Assassin's Creed because you did a hilarious video about Assassin's Creed Origins where it's, it's all about the Latin in that game. And um, apparently it's all gobbledygook. At one point, it just descends into utter chaos. Yes. And uh, it's it's pretty funny. I'll put a link in this video <laughs> to that video because I was rewatching it this morning. I was just cry laughing. That was me live responding to it. I didn't prepare that. <laughs> that was me like, is this trolling me? Yeah, because it was. Yeah, I think I think excuse me was like the one sentence they got completely right and then it, they would start with a sentence that started to make sense and then it just completely <laughs> dissipates yeah. into utter nonsense but at least they had real uh real characters from history in the game and i was going to ask you how to pronounce them if we were mm. talking to julius caesar he may not respond to caesar although you had a great rant video about like being snotty about how to pronounce some of these names <laughs> yeah. people will get a little a little you know uptight about it um but for example uh we talked last time in my last video about the name cleopatra right so the you know her father's glory basically um mm. and her brother this has an unusual spelling by the way um is it ptolemy her ptolemy brother? uh ptolemy. usually i always say his name in english okay and it's spelled with a it starts with a p Good old sure. silent initial P in English. Yeah, you're just like why, like why psychology. Yeah, <laughs> psychology. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just it doesn't really it doesn't really work if you're trying to look these things up in a dictionary. Um, <laughs> but then you have all right the name of ancient Rome, Julius Caesar, and if I were going to warn him about the Ides of March, how would I try to how would I try to you know hail him, hail Caesar? Hail, what am I, what am I saying? Uh, so his name as it is in the, uh, when it's the subject of the sentence, Julius Caesar, Julius Caesar. But if we're going to address him, um, like when, and if you want to think of it this way, whenever we say, um, hi Meg, hi Luke, what we're, that is where we're, that's what we're doing. We're addressing someone. Now Latin has occasionally special forms for Specific, for specifically Latin, for uh, names of Latin origin, so not necessarily Greek ones or other foreign ones. So Latin names that end with an us that are masculine. So Julius, actually Marcus, let's talk about Marcus, and we'll talk about that in a second. So Marcus, you want to say, hello, Mark, you'd say, awe or salve, Marque. So the us becomes a. 
Uh, so it's not a marque. It's called the evocative case because you are vocare. You're calling the person vocare, vocative. So salve marque. But ius, ius becomes just e. Salve iuli. And I call myself Lucius in Latin. So you would say salve Luci. So, uh, so Yuli Kaisar, Awe, Kawe Idus Martias, beware the Ides of March. All right. <laughs> Somebody, I think, told him that and he kind of ignored it. And then you did. Oh, you do, shouldn't have done that. What's interesting yeah. is, is this true that um, I know there are various reports that when Caesar died, he either he didn't actually say the, the famous Shakespeare line. He may have said something in Greek, something along the and I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, which is why you're here, but it's something yes. like Kesu Technon, you uh-huh. two child. Indeed. Very good. Yeah. And um, I thought that was interesting because there's a debate as to whether he was like, oh, you two or you two. I hope, you know, right. I hope you get stabbed too. And ironically, his enemy would actually commit suicide. So we'll get to him in a minute. But mm. uh, it was an interesting thing that I, I looked up and I, I, I learned long ago, like the, you know, and you too, Brutus, you know, the whole William Shakespeare thing is is mm. not true, but that he did possibly say something, but it was in Greek, not Latin. So I thought that was, mm. I was going to confirm with you if you if you think that is a true story or not. Mm. Yeah, some historians don't say he said anything. Another historian said that his final word was, uh, which was kaisutek non et tu brute. I don't think any Roman, that is to say Latin writing historian, wrote that per se, like, like um etu brute is essentially a i think is a shakespearean translation i don't remember but it's interesting uh because um you know the ancient historians are good but when it it comes to the kind of factual reporting it's a little bit different um than we think of today and good examples would be like uh, thucydides the ancient uh greek uh, historian who would give all these amazing speeches to these people that were like really like amazing you know, these speeches before wars and stuff. Livy, the Roman historian did things like that too. And it's not really credible that that's what like they're, they're it's almost artistic license for those kinds of things. So whether or not he said something, you know, I mean, these historians aren't there for the most part. They're, they're getting, there's sometimes there's centuries later that they're writing this stuff down. Right. So, you know, how, um, how much can we believe that there was this cordial talk between Scipio Africanus and uh, um, Hannibal at the Battle of Zama? It's a lovely, really great part. It's one of my favorite parts of, of uh, that history. But, um, you know, did they really say those things? As we were reading Herodotus the other day, and he had a Spartan give like a four-page speech. And I'm like, they're laconic. The guy probably said four words in a sentence, and that was it. But it makes right. for it makes for an interesting story. And what is what is story? History. Uh, we're gonna continue with another Latin name. Um, it eventually became Mark Antony. He is the uh lover of Cleopatra. Um, but if I wanted to talk to him and tell him to quit crying on a beach, whatever that famous story is, what would I, what would I call him? Well, Marcus Antonius is the subject form, the nominative form of his name. Right. If you're talking to him, the vocative is Marque Antoni. Salve Marque Antoni. Marque Antoni. Okay. So that's, that's actually right to say Mark Antony in American English. It's at least sort of close to how you would hear. Yeah. It. I mean, what, in English, we sometimes truncate 
um, Latin or, or Greek uh, or French, whatever it is, uh, words in that, that way, mostly actually in the style of, of French, if not directly because of French. Sometimes we don't, like Julius and not Julie or Jules or something. I mean, Cicero was known as Tully up until like the 19th century. Then people started calling him Cicero more. But Tully, Julius, was like how everybody knew him in English for centuries. Right. Caligula's name was at, wasn't actually Caligula, right? Um, I think this is what are all his names. Uh, I think it was like Gaius, Julius, Caesar, uh, Nero or something like they all had Claudius. They all like had these same three or four names that they were exchanging. Metatron has a great video, actually, where he gives like the name. Caligula was this nickname he had as youth, which he hated. Oh, I see. Like, I didn't know I hated it. <laughs> yeah, apparently he wasn't fond of that. OK, um, this next name is uh, interesting. Lucius Septimius. Yeah, English would say Lucius Septimius or Lucius, Lucius or Lucius, Lucius. whatever you want to do. Uh, Septimius and in um, classical Latin pronunciation, Lucius Septimius. That's cool. I like yeah. that pronunciation. And of course, Ecclesiastes would be Lucius instead of Lucius. And this next one actually kind of ties into an ancient Greek uh, pronunciation that I was curious about. We didn't get to last time, but uh, Greek names that start with E-U, because over time it sort of became like like a V sound, like Evmenides instead of Excellent. Evmenides. Yeah. And so yeah, I was wondering good. if if I say Eudoros, Eudoros, it's a character in Assassin's Creed, but I have no idea if I'm saying that right. Eudorus would be English. Right. Um, e-u, the, those, uh, e-u, excuse me, e-u, these are the names. So uh, the uh, e-u, you, like euphony um, or uh, euphemism and so forth. You is just how we say it in English. And that's how we say it in English. Uh, so Eudorus, uh, or maybe Eudoras, because the spelling here is actually the, um, we're using Roman letters, E-U-D-O-R-O-S. Often Greek names in English are Latinized and not just in spelling, but also in other conventions like the final OS, which is the nominative or subject form of the name, the most usually because the most basic form of the name. What's a good example? Um, Dionysus ends in an us, right? U.S. Right. But it's an OS in Greek because the they, they all this all comes from proto-indo-european in proto-indo-european it's os bosh and that's the ma- usually masculine but not necessarily exclusively very often a masculine uh ending when it's the nominative case os latin changes that final os to us but it's the same essentially the same ending and it has these grammatical changes that it goes through and greek and latin have very similar grammatical changes for the nouns called a case system nominative genitive dative accusative and so forth and for that reason latin very easily very very easily adapts greek words into it and just uses the latin versions of the endings which are rather similar to the greek ones so a name like um dionysos dionysus dionysus in latin just but here we have eudoros instead of eudorus um you could do that in latin it would be Take the uh, the a German name like Helena, and make it Helene in English. Yeah, that's how it's spelled. Kind of, I don't know. That be sort of change. So anyway, um, the change that of the eu eventually becomes ev by the modern Greek time. So evdoros in modern Greek, um, but in Latin eudoros eu 
Eudorus. And then we're going to do one final name before we move on to Final Fantasy, which is what I really want to get to because some of these names are hilarious. Um, but the last name for Assassin's Creed is Gaius Cassius Longinus. Is it Long- it's Longinus, right? Longinus? It, it might be. It might be a typo. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's makes it Longinus or Longinus is uh, that is a that is a name. Yeah, I think that's with. a typo in my part. Yeah, which is which is a dangerous thing to do because spell check doesn't know what to do with that. <laughs> so. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, I always have to turn it off. Gaius Cassius, uh, Gaius. Gaius is actually three syllables. Um, we say Gaius, of course, in English, two syllables. Bum bum Gaius. But in Latin, it's Gaius. Bum 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 Gaius. Gaius. Um, Gaius. It's hard to pronounce. This three syllables, but that's how it's supposed to be. Cassius, and then uh, Longinus, classical period, Longinus, ecclesiastical. All right, there we go. Now, this I'm excited about because I love the Final Fantasy series. All right. And I have a lot of viewers who also love Final Fantasy. And the developers over at Square Enix love, love Latin names. Uh, and I suspect because they know they sound very cool, especially if you don't know any Latin, but these names just sound really cool. And so there's quite a bit of Final Fantasy games that have uh, very long Latin names. The question is, do they make any sense? And are we even close to pronouncing them correctly? Um, and this this trend really started a few years ago with a trilogy of games for Final Fantasy 13 called Fabula Nova Cristalis. Um, and I'm curious to know how to pronounce that. And does that make any sense? I, I Something new crystals or something crystals? Yeah. So fab, fabula is what I would, that's how I would anglicize it because it's fabula, stressing right. the fa. So fabula is how I would anglicize it. Um, and uh, like people will say like tabula rasa or instead of uh, tabula rasa, which would be tabula rasa, the Latin version. Um, but yeah, fabula noa cristalis, or cristalis. Um, yeah, those are words. It's a <laughs> do title. they mean anything? What are, what are these what New are these story, words crystal, it's fine. It's a name. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, I don't know if it's supposed to mean something really specific. I, it's not clear to me, but oh. Fabula Noah means new story. Okay. Crystal things. Crystal things. Okay. Um, within that uh, series, uh, one of the games, uh, the, the whole story behind this trilogy is fascinating. Uh, but one of the, one of the original games was supposed to be Final Fantasy Agido. Okay. And we're sure it's not. Japanese, just checking. Yes. Or made up and names. These are all supposed to be Latin names, I believe. Okay. Well, agito is a verb, agitare, which means to agitate, to excite, to in uh could mean to entice, to move, to to drive. Um, agitare is the frequentative form of agere, which means to act or to do. And um agitor agito, ecclesiastical pronunciation. Um, if that that is a Latin word, if it's meant to be something else, I don't know, but that's an actual Latin word. Okay. That's Agito. Okay. And then we're going to move on to Final Fantasy 15, one of the more recent games. I can't believe there have been, and now a 16th game is coming out. It makes me feel so old. I played the original game and 16 games later. Wow. That's cool. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but Final mm. Fantasy 15 is notorious for having a lot of Latin names. Mm. And the protagonist, who's sort of this uh, dark emo type uh, boy band teenager, um, he is Prince Noctis Lucius Calum. Mm-hmm. So I, I sent you, I sent you the name and I'm curious to oh, know if this yeah. means anything. I think Noctis is like night or darkness. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Nox is the word for night. Nox, which is a noche in Spanish, like buenas noches and um, notte in Italian. Noctis is the genitive or possessive form of that name. So that means of the night. Lukis is the genitive or possessive form of the word lux, which means light. Uh, luth in Spanish, luce in Italian. So Noctis Lukis, which would mean of the night's light. So it's possessive, the whole thing. And then Gailum is the sky or heaven. So Gailum, uh, Jailum in ecclesiastic pronunciation. So Noctis Lukis Gailum would be um, the heaven of night of the light, the heaven of the light of the night. Okay. <laughs> so that's literally I mean, what those things mean. Literally what it means. It's okay. it's a, It works grammatically. It's not, you know, shocking. So... And then one of his companions is Gladiolus Amicitia. Amicitia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, English, who knows? We could pronounce it any way we want um, for the most part. Um, Amicitia is friendship or Amicitia in ecclesiastical pronunciation. And the first word, Gladiolus, the accent is on the letter uh, I in, in, uh, in Latin. Gladiolus means a little gladius, so little sword. That's a word. And then the next word is amicitia, friendship, little sword, friendship. That's all that means. That is, it doesn't particularly convey a lot of meaning. There just happen to be two nouns in uh, apposition that the, there are, that's, that's from the Latin ad bonere, to put next to. So the apposition means, you could say, for example, it could be, I don't know, that could be a motto on a shield. Gladiolus amicitia, the little sword is, which we're not saying, but the little sword is friendship. Uh, well, now, that doesn't mean a lot to me, but <laughs> it does well, whoever... I'm trying to, it's been so long since I've played the game. That's why I feel bad about mm. just messing up the names entirely. But I do remember that that's one of Noctis's uh, really good friends. And so he's mm. sort of a sworn sword to Noctis and they do have a very strong bond. So maybe that's the meaning mm. behind it. That's what yeah. I'm thinking now that you've translated it. Um, it's, I mean, it, so far, none of these really work as actual names of anything in normal usage of Latin, uh, but it's not shockingly bad. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. That's good. We'll, we'll, we'll go yeah. with that. And then we have another one of Noctis's close friends, which is Ignis Scientia. Ignis Scientia. Ignis Scientia in the ecclesiastical pronunciation. Ignis means fire. Scientia means Knowledge. That's where science comes from. Science just means scientia, which means knowledge. Skira means to know. Scientia. So um, those are just two words also in apposition again. They're not really connected. That would be like saying fire is knowledge, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. It doesn't mean like it could like maybe a person was thinking, oh, I want to say fire of knowledge. But it doesn't mean that because it have to be scantii. All right. Well, maybe it's, I think that's the character who's really good at cooking. So maybe it has something to do with the cook fire. <laughs> it sounds cool, though. We, oh, we you sit- know what? I did think of something to try oh. to save it a little bit better. Ignis is also possessive as well as the nominative. So it could mean the knowledge of fire. 
Again, these are not normal names at all. These are really odd to be names of people. Right. Yeah. Again, it sounds cool. Maybe they maybe yeah. they're they're suggesting that this person is knowledgeable about the way. I definitely rate this higher than Harry Potter Latin so far. <laughs> Okay, excellent, excellent. A point, yeah. a point in Final Fantasy's favor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, um, and then we have Prompto Argentum. Mm -hmm. Argentum. Absolutely, Prompto Argentum, ecclesiastical Prompto Argentum, classical pronunciation. Uh, prompto. So there's the adjective Promptus, which means ready, prompt, something that's at hand. Promptus. Adding the suffix o is actually a fairly common thing to do for names. Like naso means a big nasus, big nose. And promptus, prompto could be like the guy who's ready and he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's not a large fellow. I don't know. He's like the, also kikero, because kiker means chickpea. Kikero, Cicero, means big chickpea. Huh. Almost all the last, those, you know, names that we think of as those uh those last names usually the third name or the cognomen in latin almost all of them are uh pejorative in origin like they're from a nickname that they had either from their military time or they were you know teased and made fun of as military folks will do um just like call signs actually it's very similar to call signs for pilots like the, the, the uh hollywood style call signs like you hear in um uh in uh top gun for example are rather glamorous. For the most part, um, call signs among military pilots are very, um, they have some kind of really embarrassing story behind them, or they're obviously not, not uh, very nice. Like I, I knew one guy who was uh, Socrates, who was Socrates. <laughs> Socrates. But you, I don't know, the Bill and Ted reference, you might, I don't know. Yeah, if exactly. Well, well, he was from California, and yeah, it's like, hey, man, C-130 pilot. Yeah, and I go by Socrates. And then it made sense. The reason why is because he talks like that, talks like Bill and Ted. That's just his voice. And so he was being made fun of. So it seems kind of like it's an, it should be, normally the call signs are meant to be a name uh, which can um, have a, they can sound like normal. They don't sound like that bad, but they have something embarrassing behind them um, or you know, meant to tease. So kikoro, a big chickpea. Chickpea is a stupid little useless thing. A kikoro, a big chickpea? Okay. Naso, big nose. You know, these are uh, not the nicest names. That's hilarious. No, my friends and I would like sometimes say Socrates deliberately wrong because we just thought it was really funny and it helped you remember how to spell the name. <laughs> I mean, so honestly, Socrates is a perfectly cromulent way to pronounce that name. <laughs> In English. It's a perfectly cromulent word. From, uh, yeah, I'm glad you like the Simpsons reference. <laughs> so back on back on track though with um with Latin, uh another name that appears in Final Fantasy 15 is Corleonis. Corleonis. Yeah, the origin of uh, Corleon, which is a, a French name, literally means heart of the lion, heart of a lion, cor heart, and leonis of a lion, of the lion, lion heart. Very nice. That's a nice name. That's a cool name to have. And it seems to make sense, at least. Yeah, I'm fine with that one. <laughs> You're fine with that one. Okay. I'm actually going to move on to Final Fantasy XIV. Final Fantasy XIV yeah. is a hugely popular game that I am playing. It's an online game. Um, and mm. it also has uh, a lot of names. Now, admittedly, most of these names feel like they were put in a name generator 
or just tossed as a word salad. I have no idea about these names. Some are like a mix of different regions and languages. Uh, but I'm looking couple- up one now to see if it, nope, nope, not in Greek. Just wanted to check. Okay. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't even know if these are Latin. Gaius van Bailsar. Bailsar is not a, um, wait, let me just check. I don't think that's Latin at all. Is it? No, I just want to make sure it wasn't, you know, in somewhere in classical Latin. Um, no, it looks something like a Gaulish or Germanic name that's been uh, adapted into Latin, assuming it's Latin at all, or like a medieval name. Of course, the van is a low German uh, word, which means from van, or van, which in German standard, um, modern high German, which is von, means from. And van, van is uh, the word in Dutch, uh, for example, today. So but the low German, because languages have a continuum, like high German is from essentially the Alps originally. I don't actually remember the history exactly, but they have this continuum from like Southern Germany all the way up to the Netherlands and technically also into England. Those are the Germanic languages and they're on this continuum. Um, Simon Roper actually has a great video demonstrating that, that if you go like it's on the spectrum and if you find these little towns where they still speak the dialects, you can kind of you get these mutual intelligibility things as you go from one to the other, kind of skipping along. Italy has the same thing. But um, van is a low German, the low German language is word for from. Gaius is just Gaius. And Bailsar, Bailsar. I mean, I don't mind it. Um, <laughs> it looks like a name, looks like a medieval name. It does. It looks very medieval. Yeah. And this game like does Holy have Empire. A, a medieval theme. So, um, and then just a couple of more names out of Final Fantasy. So Final Fantasy VI is very hailed as one of the best role-playing games, Japanese role-playing games of all time. And two of its main characters, uh, in Japanese, it's Tina and Celeste. And in English, they changed Terra, Tina to Terra, probably because Terra means, I guess, Earth and Celeste means sky? Um, well... Yeah, terra is the earth, dirt, the world. Um, Tina, so it's Tina in Japanese? It's Tina in Japanese. It changed it to terra. But if you put it together, it's like Celestina, which I guess might mean mean heavenly. Celestina is an adjective meaning, yes, uh, Caelestinus would be the Latin version. Yeah, Because that letter E um, in the first part of the word if it is from the word sky like we see gailum or chelum the ae in the other names i mean sky gailum or chelum that's the standard spelling and with the two pronunciations and that ae um that i diphthong flattens out to the monophthong a in late latin and through the medieval and renaissance and so forth it's only restored to i in the past couple hundred years as we have learned more about the ancient pronunciation of latin and so forth so um Spelling it without the A is a non-standard, but a very common way that the diphthong I was rendered as just an A because they weren't pronouncing it I anymore. But Gailestina, Celestina with an A-E is what would be more standard um, if it were standard Latin spelling. But a non-standard medieval spelling could be with just the E. But yeah, Gailestina or Celestina. Geles on its own is an adjective uh, meaning a racer, and it's from Greek Geles. Like that's interesting. Yeah. That is very interesting. Okay, good. Now we finally have the origin yeah. of those, possible origin of those names, because I always wondered about that. 
Um, I think we're putting much more time into it than they did when they chose. Oh, absolutely. They just thought it looked really cool, but Hey, you know what? It's, it's fun to speculate. Um, Another name that really throws me uh, from Final Fantasy VIII is the name Quistus. That makes two of us. It's I got nothing for that one. You got nothing for that These one. These are letters that happen in Latin and often in this order, just not this particular word. <laughs> All right. So this is one of those things where they, it sounds like ancient Latin. But yep. nothing. But nothing. Nope. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Quistus. She is one of my favorite characters in Final Fantasy VIII, but her name is just gobbledygook. All right. And then yeah, I mean, as far as it being actual tested Latin words, there's no, like, because there's plenty of Latin names that are taken from vernacular languages, Germanic, Gaulish, uh, and so forth. Like Vercingetorix, for example. Right. To, you know, name a historical figure where, where that's a Latinization of a Gaulish name. So that's as much charity as I can give that. Otherwise, it's not a Latin word. Okay, and our final Final Fantasy word is a famous town in Final Fantasy One, and also the name of a character in a later Final Fantasy game, Cornelia. Yeah, English. Uh, we usually say Cornelia, right? Or right, as Cornelia. A name. But you said like Cornelia is the Latin pronunciation. Yeah. It, yeah. Very pop. Very important family name, Cornelius, Cornelia, and probably I know we talked about it. Rome was really interesting and weird in a fascinating way with names, because essentially no one had their own name, in the same way that we do, in the same way that in the way that the ancient Greeks seemed to have very individual names. Um, whereas you know it was I don't know. Pericles, son of, I can't remember who Pericles' father was, you know, or uh, um, Xanthopos. Xanthopos. Thank you. Very good. Uh, or <laughs> or uh, Theseus, son of Aegeus, um, or, or something like that. Um, th- those kinds of, that's, that's how they would normally do it, which is actually still how they do it in Icelandic, which is super cool. Latin, though, um, there is, uh, there's a given prinomen, and there's really only about 10 prinomina, prenames that are used commonly and they're really just to distinguish siblings it's like Gaius, Marcus, Lucius, um, Octavus, um, what are some others, Uh, Quintus, there's very very few, Decimus, very very few of them even uh, like survive into the classical period and they just kind of reuse them again and again so uh, like Augustus had two heirs, Lucius um, Julius Caesar and Gaius Julius Caesar were two young boys who were uh, probably killed um, by some way by his wife Livia. Not the, um, uh, but they were. I think were they the children of Julia, his daughter. Anyway, but they're they're like famous because they have these uh, lovely little statues. Which I've seen the actually originals, um, which are uh, in Rome, which are really cool. Of these um, these little boys, they're you know they're going to be the heirs of Rome. My God super killed uh or at least they died they they died of unknown circumstances when they were young um but it's interesting because we just see the same names used again and again so basically everyone in that line was julius Caesar. um but that wasn't unique to just try to keep this family dynasty thing that's just how it was so like the father of of uh, marcus tullius cicero was also tullius cicero because both of those names are are just brought down the family line so that Tullius, which is the gens or gens, the family name, the, the, uh, is really the tribe's name. 
from the ancient tribes. So everybody's called Tullius. The father's called Tullius. His son is called Tullius. If he has more than one son, he's also called Tullius. They're all called Tullius. And a prime is never a name that's common. Like we think of it as like a Mark or Lucius or, you know, those are Quintus. Those are kind of like normalish English names as first names, but they never really use them as something other than identifying like Gaius Julius Caesar. No one's going to call him Gaius, um, except someone who knew him when he was a boy. It's too familiar. It's too like, why are you calling me by my boyish boy name? It's that's odd. His name is Julius Caesar. That's how anyone would address him. Um, so that's really weird because Julius Caesar had, uh, more than, well, he had, no, he had one daughter, which was Julia Octavian or Augustus also had a daughter called Julia and why? Cause they're against their, their tribal name is always Julius or Julia. So every single person in the family has the same name, just feminized or masculinized respectively, Julius or Julia, Julius or Julia, Antonius, Antonia, Antonia, another important Victor Antonia, Antonina, like it's just it's it's very annoying <laughs> because if they all have the same name, it becomes difficult to tell them apart. And that's one of the reasons why we call the emperors the names that we do traditionally: Claudius, Nero, Caligula. Most of them had the same exact name, almost, but maybe slightly different order or or something. Um, yep. You know what's so interesting about that is I actually did a uh, I did a video for Ghost of Tsushima. And um, it was all about how uh, the real history behind that time period and how samurai would actually have uh, their childhood name and then there would be a cer ceremony to give them their adult name. So Hojo yes. Tokimune's name was not Tokimune originally. Mm -hmm. It was something else. And then he was given that name, which was like a, like a combination of like the uh, shoguns, the prince's name, and um part of the you know tokisuke uh tokiyori just part of that family mm. name as well so it kind of reminds yeah. me of that where it's just like you didn't have the same name as you had as a kid because that was it's it's not like personal names these days where you yeah. you, you know my name is megan forever and ever unless i you know decide to legally change it so <laughs> indeed right or um also in um north america we usually have middle names yes not so in say italy the the fact that i have a middle name is confusing it's like is that your is that part of your first name it's like no 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 that's but it's on your passport like, yeah yeah but it's like just luke ranieri i mean that the middle name is almost irrelevant the middle name is a little bit like that prime and like gaius or marcus in in latin it's gonna have this this separate additional identifier that's almost superfluous yeah but um yeah Naming that's, customs that's, are oddly various. All right. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. I learned a lot about Latin and the pronunciation of some of these names. And I learned that, is it Quintus is a, is a name, but Quistus is not. Mm -hmm. I feel like yep. that's the most important takeaway. Okay. <laughs> one is a name and yep. one is totally made up. Um, so one of the characters in... Uh, the first game, A Realm Reborn, is Julia Quo Serranus? Right. Julia, that's just the name Julia. In Latin pronunciation would be Julia. Quo is a pronoun we can use adverbially and as a conjunction. How should I say this clearly? Quo kind of means by means of which. That's what it means, quo. Um, or it could be, because it could be the word what or whom. Um, for example, quid pro quo. 
like quid pro quo doesn't really mean anything on its own in Latin. It would have to be part of a longer phrase. Quid, what, pro, for, quo, what, what for what. And the word what changes depending on prepositions and things that are changed its form. Oops, excuse me, microphone. Uh, just mic check. I've, seen, <laughs> I've done that a couple of times in videos and I, I put it in for like 1.5 seconds where I bump the microphone because I'm gesticulating because I'm in Italy and that's what I do when I'm in Italy. <laughs> And then I go, and I go boom, and then I put this a little text, and I go mic check. Um, but it's so fast that I think only like one percent of the people even catch. But I do see they go back because I see like in the analytics that they they go back and they go to see what I wrote there. Yeah. But um, so quo 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 doesn't really mean anything here that has any kind of intelligibility. Um, at least in standard Latin, I can imagine some kind of maybe it's shorter for a longer version. I mean, take Japanese expressions like. Um, um, like, what is that? Why, why is the um, topic particle? And it looks like this day. Mm-hmm. So is saying something like this day. And then the rest of the phrase isn't there anymore. I have no idea what the ancient or uh, older Japanese expression was. I'm sure there was something longer. But on, like goodbye. Goodbye is, if I'm not mistaken, is from God be by you, right? Um, uh, in Japanese? Uh, no, in English. Oh, in English? Yeah. Like, like goodbye. Like we just say bye, but right. it's actually like God be by you. I think it's that's what the origin of it is. But we don't say that long expression anymore, and it has no meaning. God be by you. You're like... <laughs> What, why? What, what's going I'm, on? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, not not even because religious people won't even say that precise expression among um, people of their of their church or something because that's strange sounding anyway. But that's where it comes from, um, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm trying to like come up with some tortured way of explaining why quo would be here, but I can't. So uh, soranus, uh, I did look up that one because I was trying to find it. So um, soranus, I'm pretty sure, is meant to be. The epithet of bis, which is another term for Pluto or the um, or Hades. Um, so, uh, and I'm not exactly sure why there is a Sora, which is the northernmost city of the Volsci and Latium near Arpinum. It's not far from here. Um, <laughs> Sora. So Soranos would be someone from Sora. But qual means nothing here. It means whither. So- it means by means of which. It's there to sound cool, basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I it like does. it. It just, yeah, I mean, it sounds Not cool. Latin-wise, but I like aesthetically. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's all about the aesthetics.